What's up, guys? This is Jordan Stoltz from the Fitness, Food, and Freedom Podcast. Welcome back to another episode. This one is probably dropping on Monday, so it's episode 103 of the Triple F Podcast. And today's show is a special one. I have a interview, which is my first interview that I've done on the show. I've done 102 episodes, I guess, solo. So hopefully you guys have got a lot of information from that. And, you know, you're a longtime listener of the show. However, if you're new, uh, this is the Triple F Podcast, which stands for Fitness, Food, and Freedom. Uh, on Mondays, come out with like motivational freedom, life advice is kind of how I structure that day. It's more loose. It's kind of something I can put anything on that day. My favorite day to podcast. And then Wednesdays, fitness tips from Workout Wednesday. Foodie Friday is my nutrition day where I talk about diet. That's how I split it up. If you guys want to ask any questions to be put on the podcast, if you want to just leave me some feedback, or maybe you want to inquire about coaching options or anything like that, go to triplefpodcast.com slash contact and fill out that contact form. That'll go straight to my email inbox and uh, I can get back to you from there. So let's get down to today's show. This one is technically a Motivation Monday, but it's a special interview with American Ninja Warrior, Maggie Thorne. Welcome to the Fitness, Food, and Freedom Podcast. Keep listening for some awesome advice on health, motivation, and becoming a better version of yourself. Be sure to tune in every week for Motivation Monday, Workout Wednesday, and Foodie Friday. Behind the mic today, your host, a strength and conditioning coach, husband, and businessman, Jordan Stoltz. What's going on, everyone? It's Jordan Stoltz, the host of the Fitness, Food, and Freedom podcast. Today, I have a special interview for you guys. This is something I have not done yet as far as this podcast is concerned. Uh, But I connected with Maggie Thorne maybe a couple weeks ago and uh, just reached out to her, a few other people around my area, around the Lincoln, Nebraska area, who I was basically a fan of. I'm a big fan of American Ninja Warrior, Spartan Racing, and all the things that come with that. So I reached out to Maggie Thorne just uh, from seeing her on the television, I guess, this last season of American Ninja Warrior. Um, If you don't watch the show, you definitely start, you need to definitely start, right? It's a a great show. It's some, I mean, it really involves a lot of stuff I talk about all the time on the podcast. Relative strength with your body weight, um, as far as pushing through tough times, working hard, all these things are shown through physical obstacles on the TV show. So, I mean, it's great. Spartan is great, too. And today I have Maggie Thorne. Everyone, here's my interview with Maggie Thorne. Welcome. Thank you. you. I am great. Hello, Triple F podcast crew. It's great to be here. Yes. A lot of, I was telling Maggie right before uh, the podcast began that a lot of my listeners are women, and I know a lot of you guys have contacted me, asked me questions, a couple coaching clients out there too that are women, uh, so I really wanted to get you on here to give some training advice, nutrition advice, and just some inspirational things to these women, but really to everybody, because I'm sure everyone can benefit from today's show. Well, I'm up for it, and as you know, I think the three things that you embody, fitness, food, and freedom, a lot of those represent my life. I'm a busy mom of three who likes a challenge, but at the end of the day, between laundry or tackling some other obstacles on a TV show, all of it plays a part into how I live out. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, you had a really inspiring year on Ninja Warrior as far as as I'm concerned. I think it was one of the more inspiring 
inspiring stories on the show this year. They really focus on the story portions of everything, and I really enjoyed yours. Uh, we're going to get into that a little bit later as far as like how your year has gone and the different things you've done to just conquer it, right? So tell me first just a little bit, little bit about yourself. I know you're a former UNL athlete, Ninja Warrior, Spartan Racer, but give me a little bit more. What's your background? Absolutely. Well, I am from San Diego, California. I was a California state champion in the 100 hurdles, which is what landed me in Nebraska. So I went from the ocean to the cornfields, but I love the people of Nebraska. I've been here since 2002, so for about 15 years. Oh, man, that dates me right there. <laughs> but but I've loved it, and I've always been an active person, but I actually didn't do sports until I was 14. Came from a low-income family. We shared a home. And once I got into track, it really started to change my life a lot and becoming active and just set me down a whole different path. So it's really become a lifetime love to be physically active, um, heart healthy. I do some work with the American Heart Association. And just being able to have that lifestyle that I feel like I can be active until the day I die. Yeah. So that's, that's a short snippet of what I embody, and my faith is also an important part of my life. Yeah, I was going to kind of ask what got you into the, the whole space, you know, of as far as being physically fit and active. So track. Go Huskers at, for track right now at least, right? And, uh, I mean, if you don't watch American Ninja Warrior, UNL Track and Field is putting out some Ninja Warriors, right? we got two for sure that right is that jesse graff and two Maggie for Thorne, sure right two Je- for sure that i know of yes jesse graff and i were actually college roommates oh, here okay. at unl so we were on a team together at nebraska and full circle 15 years later we're on the course together for american ninja warrior she's That's been awesome. a very inspiring person and i think it's important to put people around you that empower you too yeah so you were physically active, you enjoyed track and field, you came to Nebraska. How did you get into Spartan Racing, Ninja Warrior, which came first, and how did that whole process go uh, first getting into that? At the time, I was working for the Nebraska Athletic Department, and my brother had actually committed suicide in 2004, and that was a little bit of change in my life. I felt very impacted by that, but it took me a long time to process that. And then in 2011, my best friend had actually committed suicide. And at the time, again, I was working for the Nebraska Athletic Department, and I was building $340 million in projects. I was at the helm, or a part of the helm, um, under my boss at that time. And we were building East Stadium and Devaney and Pinnacle Bank Arena, and there were all these amazing things that I could tie my name to. But at the end of the day, I was tying my name to buildings, and I was putting my heart and soul into that. And I had friends in my life that were really struggling, and I knew they were struggling and I would criticize them and not love them and I wasn't there as a person and I felt like every day as I watched the steel go up on East Stadium, why am I just building buildings? Why don't I build people? I felt like God has given me all of these gifts that I could use in a different way. And so some things that were involved in my life were okay, I God made me athletic and I'd been involved in pageants and I knew how to do project coordination and marketing and so I evaluated those skills and said, all right, like how can I impact people? How can I touch people's lives and to let them know that they matter? And so the day that my friend was buried at her funeral and I just watched her coffin go into the ground, that is when I decided to recommit the rest of my life and say, all right, I don't just want to work for myself. I don't want to work for a promotion. And I had a very good career in the Nebraska Athletic Department. I loved my time there very much so, but I wasn't impacting people. It was just a resume building Um, even though I did have a chance to impact student athletes, I didn't get to work with them one-on-one. So I was like, all right, 
things got to change. I'm going to build people, not buildings. And I started down this path to, I jumped into obstacle racing and ended up getting second at World's Toughest Mudder, going 75 miles. It's like 334 obstacles. And Ridiculous. Then it just kind of kept going and going and went to the obstacle racing world championships. It was one of the top 15 runners in the world. And I just found that I was able to really apply myself with purpose and I knew eventually I was going to have to leave my career, and I had that in the back of my mind. Because um, at the end of the day, I started my job picking up trash and eventually got moved into roles to managing multi-million-dollar projects. So in terms of like how God rules my life, I was like, all right, he, there's no reason I should have my job other than it's purpose-filled. And I knew I'd always have to leave it sometime for another purpose. And 2015, that was the time. Um, 2014, I was crowned Mrs. International, so I got to travel around the world, and I was the international spokesperson for the charity Souls for Souls. Uh, we did, collected about over 40,000 shoes, which is 40,000 lives globally. Yeah, it was... That's really impressive. Well, it, it was just a lot of people who were very supportive. Mm-hmm. And I really felt their mission was to give shoes and give love. And if I have to look back at my friend Susan, who I lost, I was like, all right, this is this is where I'm supposed to be. And I, I left my career and people told me I was bananas and I was going to ruin my life and it was the stupidest thing I've ever done. And, you know, I, with, I faced a lot of criticism for it. I mean, administrators pulled me into their office and said, this is, this is dumb. Don't do it. And I left. And here I am a couple years later. Um, as you know, it's been a rocky road and there's people who don't always see purpose or... Um, you know, what you're met for. And I've always feel like I've known since I lost Susan. And I really stuck to that and what I felt was spoken to me. And five TV shows this year, kind of crazy. But on the other side of it, it's not about being on a TV show. I've gotten probably over 2,000 messages from people around the world who are hurting and feel unvalued or who they are, like how their body is. They feel unloved. They're too muscular. They're too heavy, they're too thin, um, just people who have been shamed. And I think about the message rise up and what that means. And number one, it wasn't about divorce. Yes, I went through divorce, but when I was talking to the producers and deciding to share what had gone on with me personally, which was a very difficult decision to think about, but at the end of the day, I started to realize there was more and more people like me who are at the point in their life where it's not what you think it was, and you poured your heart and soul into something, and you get hurt, but you have to decide, you know, who were you really meant to be? Who are you really in celebrating yourself and loving yourself and surrounding yourself with close people who empower that? And so I narrowed down my friends groups. I really focused in on purpose. And when you can touch someone's heart through through the TV and, you know, you get to tell them, like, you matter. Mm-hmm and you're important, you're valued, then I'm glad I left my job. Um, I ignore what people say if they don't disagree because yes. I, I know what I'm, meant, what I'm meant to do, and, and I won't stop. I'll continue to rise up. Great. I mean, what really stands out through that, I mean, you took action on it, right? There's a few things I could list on one hand, and probably all my listeners could too, the things that I drive home every episode of this show. It's like consistency, sustainability of your training, um, and then pushing through hard times, the hard work aspect, but then actually taking action. Like when you have an idea, you have some kind of drive inside of you to actually take action on that and, you know, don't just think to actually do. That's what stands out to me, right? You actually 
left what was a good career, very, very good career, and go into something that you're more passionate about. You can reach more people. You can help more people, like, personally, right? Absolutely. On this season of American Ninja Warrior, very relatable, I think, as far I'm sure a lot of women were inspired um, by your story and by your run. If you missed the run, you need to definitely watch, like, the finals uh, Kansas City run. That one, I mean, was just great. Even the, the qualifier, just the determination and, like, the, you know, just the the drive from your face that you could see. And I think that's very inspiring to people who are going through maybe similar things or maybe they are experiencing issues like you mentioned. So I want to I want to get into training right away. I want to talk about some of the training because that's what I care about a lot. I know a lot of people are curious about this. So just generally, how do you train? I guess I'm sure it changes throughout the year, but give me like a general overview of training. I know like in, in Lincoln, I don't know how much time you spend actually in Lincoln, but there's not a dedicated Ninja Warrior facility in Lincoln or in Nebraska, as far as I know. Um, there's a rock climbing gym at the university, and that's about as far as it goes. So what kind of training? Back up maybe to the first time you went on American Ninja Warrior, and what kind of training did you do to prepare for that? Because I'm sure you were, I think I would be like <laughs> over the top, right? Like you would want to for sure be prepared and for sure hit every area so you knew you were going to do well. So what did you do for your training to start? Oh, my first time on American Ninja Warrior was season six, and I bombed. I went out on the steps, the third step. Oh, man. But if I would have been successful that year, my life would have been a lot different now. So again, I everything has a purpose. Uh, my training for that leading into it, I was very much in obstacle racing mode. So it was a lot of running. I had just climbed for like two weeks and they called me I mean literally like two weeks before the show and so Jesse Graff she flew out to Denver and she came to watch me and cheer me on and she helped me train a little bit I was not prepared at all and thought I was way better than I was <laughs> I think that's how so many people oh it humbled me so much um but I knew I was like all right I'm not gonna give up and then I got focused on obstacle racing again so I really spent 2013 2014 even kind of into 2015 very much focused on obstacle racing mm-hmm. um, was one of the top runners in the u.s and was competing at a lot of the big races i definitely wasn't the top by any means i don't want to give that impression but i was working really hard and then i tried out in 24 2015 and i got rejected by ninja i tried out in 2016 and i got rejected by ninja uh, a lot of people i don't think realize that and last year, I competed in Philadelphia, but it was because I went and spent three weeks in a walk-on line. Oh, okay. I legit camped out in the woods for the first week that I was there, me in a tent. And I was the only girl in the walk-on line for about two weeks and competed on the show. And I actually did pretty decent, but unfortunately, not unfortunately, very fortunately, there were four very strong girls who did really well in Philadelphia. And so... Um, people don't know that because I didn't get airtime. It wasn't showed. And that was fine. And so this year, I was like, you know what? I'm not, I'm not going to give up. Like, I'm going to try again. So I spent a year over the last year from 2016 and now traveling to almost every gym across the country, just soaking in information from people. And instead of just obstacle training, I really built a strong foundation for the muscles that were going to be used and making sure everything was secure around the tendons. I think 
uh, people think you can just hop on an obstacle, but you, you end up tend to really get hurt. And if you want longevity in the sport, you need to have a good foundation for it. So that's what what I did, and I started climbing. I've only been climbing a year and a half. Okay. Committed climbing. Is that primarily like what you have done for grip yes, strength? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Climbing has changed my grip strength more than anything else I've done. I don't think people realize, I mean, like I've watched a show with different people before too, and people don't really realize how insane it is to go through a whole course like that, especially if it gets onto the finals course and you get finished with the whole qualifier and then you have you know, double that, and they're usually more brutal obstacles in the second half, which are like more hanging. I don't think people realize like the time under tension you have just hanging there for so long. So I know yeah, the grip strength is important. Climbing was a big deal with there. And then relative strength too, right, which is something I talk about a lot on this podcast, which is just like for any listeners out there that don't know, it would be like your your body weight and your strength, that ratio, right? So how much strength do you have? for how much do you weigh, right? So weighing less, being more strong is going to equal in you being able to control your body better and be able to get through those obstacles. So is this something like you really focused on? How did you, I guess, maximize your relative strength so you could hang that long and you could, pure pure grip strength, pure being able to like squeeze a gripper shut isn't going to cut it, right, for Ninja Warrior? <laughs> no. like, yeah, like what do, you, what do you do to make sure that you have that relative strength, and then how important is the relative strength? Grip endurance is extremely important. I think additionally, body per perception, which is your body control. And so for that side of it, and in terms of grip strength, you know, we were talking about climbing into here and whether I bouldered or I top roped. And traditionally, I top rope a lot more. And the top roping side of it for me is a lot more of that forearm endurance. I'll just go up, up and down a route for as long as I can, which is about 13 to 14 minutes, and you just stay on that route, burn out as long as you can, and it usually actually feels really good what <laughs> at is, the end of the day. What's typically like a whole climbing session? Like if you go climb, what's like the overall time that you spend? I spend five to 10 minutes dedicated into just warming up with a lacrosse ball. Um, I roll it around my shoulders, my pectorals. I do like my back a little bit because mm-hmm. I want to activate all of the nerves that surround my muscles. Uh, I stretch and it's really important for me to be warm going into it. I don't just jump onto a hard route. I don't just jump onto bouldering. I do boulder some, but if I boulder, I end up campusing a little more if I do want some hang time. Um, but in terms of that, I start on some really light routes, like five, six, five, seven, and I'll climb that for probably about another 10 minutes. So I have about 20 to 30 minutes dedicated to warming up. And then I'll go into, as I just mentioned, staying on a route for as long as I can. And I'll do that. I'll just shake out for a couple minutes and get on it again, hang on for 12 13, 14 minutes. Um, I'm at 14 minutes now, and I definitely want to be able to. That's I'd love crazy. to hit her out for 20 minutes and yeah, just stay crazy. on it. That's good prep, too, for the obstacles, I'm sure, to be able to. Absolutely. There's some other things I do for grip, but I think climbing has made the biggest impact in what I do. I've seen it for sure. And if you guys aren't impressed with 14 minutes, then I would challenge you to go find a rock climbing gym and just try it, okay? Just try <laughs> it because it's, uh, it's tough. And I know, like, with my when my forearms get kind of pumped or whatever, or they get that blood in them, I'm, I'm done. Right. I can't, I don't know if I could just shake it out and go again, but I'm sure that's the, <laughs> that's what you got to do. 
it's it's taken time. I think anybody, if they want to do ninja or anything they want to do, any goal they have to have, I mean, this is three years in progress mm-hmm. to get to where I'm at now. I don't have an upper body background. Yeah. I definitely was at a detriment for that for people who were a vaulter or a gymnast. And I'm coming from behind at age 36, but I do believe that anything is possible, especially with the right nutrition, as you yeah. talked about. I'm I'm so glad you said that. This was something I talked about too, is like- Let's do it. Yeah, something I talk about. I mean, I'm so glad you went here in that I've talked about like the overnight success, how it's not an overnight success, right? I talk about that a lot. Or the people you think all of a sudden are successful, there's years, 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 decades sometimes of like struggle, failing, getting rejected, for example. I, I'm just glad you went through. That's awesome. That's really, it's just, it's showing some of the things I talk about. So what, what do you think about like body weight exercises versus weights as far as your training? As like, if you're developing your upper body or your training, was it mainly working on obstacles and working on your climbing or have you, did you focus on body weight exercises or weights? And then if it's both kind of, how did you go about that? I don't get to obstacle train a lot. I have some things at my house, but just like you said, there's no gym in Nebraska yeah. that is a true ninja gym. It's it's a lot different. People can say it's a ninja gym, and I'm going to be honest, it's not a ninja gym. So yeah. there's, there's a whole different level for that. Um, and for me, I really try to focus on, again, the foundational principles. So if I'm doing body weight training, I'll do like five-pound weights, 20 times 20 rep super circuit. And if you think five pounds doesn't sound like a lot, just wait until you do 20 times 20 sets Mm -hmm. of arm raises and every different way. And it's going to burn you out like you won't believe. And that's a lot of what we need as ninjas is that muscle endurance Mm -hmm. because you are hanging on something for minutes. And then not only that, but you have to try to swing and grab something else when your whole body's burning out. So it's a lot... And for Team Ninja Warrior specifically, I'm getting ready for Team Ninja Warrior right now. It's going to be very fast-paced, less grip, but you still need to have grip. But I'm focusing on the short um, anabolic sprints and being able to have agility and then jump onto something immediately after doing a burnout. Um, But congruently, I'm also training for the Obstacle Racing World Championships because I will, again, compete back-to-back. I'll go to Canada do an obscuration world championships and the next week I will be filming team ninja warrior. So what do you think that you try to maybe base your training like as quote unquote, like functional as you can, as far as like what you're going to be doing? Yep. Do you think, Absolutely. do you think for ninja warrior specifically, I'm a big fan. So I just have a lot of questions. Uh, shoot, shoot, bring the questions. <laughs> I love it. Do you think I had this argument with my dad actually over the summer, we were watching ninja warrior. Mm-hmm. So I was talking, do you think it's more, do you think the obstacles require more technique or strength? And then why? Because you see some ninjas that don't necessarily look strong that are very good at technique and conserving energy. But you also see some ninjas that that are really strong. They might also have good technique, though. That's kind of what I'm wondering. But like they're, they look strong and they can kind of muscle through some things that other ninjas might not be able to. But, I mean, I just finished watching the Vegas right the the finale of ninja warrior and at at least one probably maybe two of the ninjas were i think very technique based maybe kind of deceptively strong though so what do you think about that just uh give me your side of that what my side of that i don't think you can single out one over the other technique versus strength 
Absolutely. For all related to me. So I've developed my strength a lot, but I'm still lacking in the area of technique. And that is when I went out on obstacle five, I made a mistake to do an overgrab on the bar and I should have done a mixed grip and I would have finished it. And that was me and my own fault. Um, but on the other side of it, there are ninjas that are extremely strong, but they haven't learned their body control. And some of them who their obstacle efficiency and how well they know how to use their body and flip or parkour and be able to like Drew and Joe Moravsky. I think, mm-hmm. you know, you can look at them as ninjas and they're absolutely strong, but sometimes it's just so unassuming yeah. on the outside. If you don't know who they are, they still look like athletes, but they're definitely some of the top ninjas and they just know how to use their body very, very well. And it's so impressive and then you get someone like Adam Rail, who's one of my Wolfpack ninjas on the pro team, and he is extremely strong, but he also not just knows how to use his body because he has a gymnast background, but he can throw himself off something quicker because he is strong, which happened for him in a competition recently. So it's a combination of both. It's important to have both. And I do think anybody who has a gymnastics background, a pole vault background, parkour background mm-hmm. body control Absolutely. what about somebody that is maybe 30 and wants to get into like maybe even older maybe you say like 40 um, and wants to get into like spartan racing first mm-hmm. and maybe eventually ninja warrior training but they don't have that background like how do you improve body control is it just repetition like working on obstacles over and over and drilling in that muscle memory pretty much or absolutely it's number one i really really enforce and i know i've probably said it five times and i'll say it more is having a good foundation i think people need to start small and be reasonable because i don't want them to get hurt it's so important to have a base but in terms of training and this is i think what represents your triple f's is what they eat how they live everything goes into it if they just start to jump into it and they go do a race and they're sore and they're miserable and they're beat up, <laughs> they're never going to do it again. Yeah. Um, you know, being able to have the right people who train around you, being able to have the right things, I can't emphasize enough how critical that is to just do it, start small and work your way up. Right. Yeah. I, I talk a lot about, if you guys are new, I'm going to kind of fill you in, but if you're a listener, you know, I talk a lot about like, your relationship to exercise, your relationship to food, your relationship to the different things, to your job, the different things you do throughout your day, how you relate to it, right? If it's positive, if it's negative, you don't want to create that negative association with it. You don't want to make it, you want to make your training sustainable. You don't want to make it too crazy, right? You want to give yourself time. Um, Yeah, let's touch on nutrition a little bit. So that, what people I think don't realize, because I just started most of my social media accounts a couple years ago, and if you looked at it, it looked like I've always been fit. Well, that's not the case. After my brother died, I really kind of went into this food frenzy, and for a majority of time, I was actually about 35 pounds heavier than I am now, and I stopped being an athlete after I finished my career at Nebraska. It was 2005. I was I boxed for a little bit, but really, I went to just that everyday work lifestyle. Maybe we'd play some badminton or go on a bike ride. But for the most part, I wasn't extremely active. 
And I started to cut out foods that were processed and I started to focus on things that had five ingredients or less. And, you know, I really thought about what I was intaking for fluids and liquids and I completely changed my diet from mm-hmm. what I had known my whole life as a kid, which was like ramen and hamburger helper right. and yeah. fast food. And I don't eat fast food. I don't eat boxed food. Now, I will say balance is important. So every now and then I go on down and I grab a donut. And that's like maybe I have sweets twice a month. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm, I'm reasonable with it. But I think your nutrition level impacts your life greatly. Your sleep, your training, your mental capacity, all of it is so entangled together. What about like ha- like habit building for that nutrition? I, I don't think it would be very sustainable. Maybe it takes just going all in, right? If you know that's what you're supposed to do. Maybe you should dive all in. Did you make small steps with it? Start eliminating processed foods maybe and then start eliminating something else and then adding in more water more sleep was it like a slow gradual change or did you kind of just go all in and dedicate yourself to it what do you think the best method is there to keep it sustainable i'm an all-in type of person i know that's not for everybody Mm -hmm. so i did just cut everything out because I, I know the difference yeah. if I was on the road maybe two years ago and I think we were in the middle of nowhere and I hadn't eaten and I had one taco from Taco Bell, one, <laughs> and this is like a couple years ago, and immediately the foods I wanted the next two to three days were extraordinarily different from what... That's crazy how that I'm, happens. That's totally true. It is true because it the things they put in it, they're not, they're not real. It's yes. not real food. So I find a very dramatic different difference if I introduce anything back in. So I think if someone's going to commit to it, they can commit to it. But I talk to people about habits being like pennies. And we can look at pennies on the ground, and most people don't pick up a penny because they think it's just one cent. It's not a value. But those are our habits, and I think we have to look at our habits like pennies and that every penny counts, every habit counts, and eventually all those small decisions we make are going to add up to big change and have great value. And so being able to, I mean, working at the athletic department, Mm -hmm. there was always food in the middle of our floor that was like cookies and vendors would bring in peanut, whatever, brittle and, you know, toffee. There was constant, constant food and I just avoided it. Mm -hmm. Not always, but I tried to make it a habit of saying, you know what, I know if I have this one day and that one day, well, all of a sudden you have five, 600 extra calories that week. Well, where have you accounted for that? So yeah. it's just easier to stay disciplined and you learn, like it yeah. gets better. Just like you can train your body, you can train your stomach and you can train your mind. And you see the difference. So like you'll, oh yeah, you'll, you'll, you'll feel the difference. So it's not just, you'll see it. That's maybe not the right motivation to have, but you'll feel it like right away. It's like if you choose better foods, avoid the not better foods, you'll start to feel better and then you'll start to crave that, right? And you'll start to kind of notice if you maybe sneak in a few other things you're not supposed to have, you'll notice that, right? Absolutely. And I think you can fall in love with a taste of real food again. Mm-hmm. Because once you have processed foods and all of those, it starts to deaden your taste buds. And then you can really just truly enjoy food. I'm very basic. Proteins. I, I do eat meat. I went vegetarian for like six months. It didn't work out for me in my training level. Um well, I do agree with the principles of it for where I'm at as an athlete. I do think I need animal proteins. Did you like animal proteins and plant-based, basically, everything else? Or? Yeah. For six months last year, 
in in hindsight, I got sick every month. My training went down. Like I started to get injured, and I've never been injured. And like I rolled my ankle, my shoulder was hurting. I was like, gosh, what is happening to me? And then I realized it's because, and I just went cold turkey, cut out all meat, period. And people were like, oh, you should have at least fish. And I was like, no, I'm going to be really committed to this. And I was, I was very committed to it. But then once I started to sequence everything together and I talked to some high-level athletes who had gone vegetarian and then decided to go back to animal proteins, it was pretty much consistently that everybody felt like if you're trying to be a professional-level athlete, that you need to have dedicated animal proteins of some type in your diet. So, What do you think about an average, like that 40-year-old we're talking about? Do you think that would be a good option for them? I do. I do. At some point, if I'm not a competitive athlete, I would like to go back to mm-hmm. – a vegetarian lifestyle. I think it was very healthy. Um, just with the high level activity, it wasn't very productive. But just what I started to learn during that time frame and about animals and it's right. it's a whole different world your eyes are opened up to. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Right. So like the body awareness is super important. Being aware of how your body feels with certain foods, seeing how that affects your training. Even, I mean, get. I usually recommend people like if they're coaching clients or something to start at least tracking their food every single food goes into pad of paper or an app but eventually i like them to get away from that because you don't want to be a slave to that your whole life it's not sustainable to always track something and it's it's not fun right and i eventually get to the point where you are so like aware of what your body needs how it's performing and like what it's craving right like sometimes you'll just crave vegetables or maybe Mm -hmm. you'll you can feel you don't need enough protein you know this is something like you kind of went through too just and if so like how did you get to that point where you were kind of aware of your body that intuitive eating kind of style because I know it takes some time Mm -hmm. and I know like everyone they say like maybe they're going to go into intuitive eating and it just kind of ends up they eat too much or like they you know if they're always hungry it's yeah. It's a weird mixture of eating intuitively and being disciplined about it. So how do you manage that? I think you were very smart, number one, to say it's good to track your foods for a while, but it's not a forever thing. Because um, I agree. People can get caught up in it. It can become an unhealthy habit. That started out as a healthy habit. So I'm glad you said that. Um, in terms of intuitive eating, if I'm craving something that's not good, I usually know I'm missing a nutrient or I'm thirsty. And so I try to start there. I try to start with drinking something, drinking fluid, drinking water mm-hmm. primarily. Um, I don't actually do a lot of dairy in my diet at all. But I, I start there and I'm like, all right, where where do I go from here? Because it's really tied back to we're missing something in some way. Our body didn't balance out. We didn't have enough greens, you know, iron. So there's some part of it. And that's just learning your body, trusting your body. But I don't truly think we can get there unless we're eating real foods Mm -hmm. because I think a lot of those processed foods mess with our mind mess with our body in a very unhealthy way right what about traveling because you've done a lot of travel you travel for the show I travel constantly you travel constantly is what it seems like like we're getting in touch to set up the podcast and it was like you're where in the world is Maggie Thorne where's Maggie Thorne (laughs) she's in Lincoln for like a week or something like that like it's you know you're you're always going so how do you eat that way and how do you do this while traveling I guess how do you stay with this intuitive style of eating and the clean foods well number one I travel a lot with my kids too mm-hmm. so they're That's on, my next question about the yep, kids they're on the road with me and we pack food 
we bring healthy snacks, apples, bananas. Uh, we'll have a jar of almonds and we eat healthy foods on the road. Um, I will be very clear that the diet that I have, I actually don't press onto my kids. Mm-hmm. I, um, I think it's important for them to see how I eat and be a role model for that, but I want it to be their own choice because I've seen negative impacts yeah. on student athletes that were my peers when I was an athlete from parents who had pushed really strict diets. So mm-hmm. while mine is a very disciplined diet, um, I want them to make that choice. So anyways, back to that. So when I'm on the road, I go to grocery stores and that's actually a lot of us ninjas that will be one of the first stops. Um, a lot of times we'll do like a big ninja house and we all cook together. It's like family style meals. That's cool. We go to a grocery store, grab stuff. Even when I was a student athlete at Nebraska, and you can ask Coach Pepin, he may not remember, Matt may not remember either, I would pack my own cooler. So they would bring everybody to a fast food spot and I, was, I would have my cooler and it would have my meal preps in it. I would bring a cooler through an airport. <laughs> with so, my food so prepare right be prepared prepare yeah it's not even an option right like the fast food or snack no. food, not even an option it's not something that nope yeah it's not and that really goes back to the penny habits mm-hmm. that just became a lifestyle so it's something that i'm able to through my mind and mentally i'm strong enough to say you know what i know that okay this is going to be that and these are my alternative options um, for where I need to be. So even if I go to a, a gas station, I'm on the road and I'm hungry, I'm in nowhere, I will eat gas station produce. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Bananas, apples, um, oranges, or usually I get some cashews, but those are my stops. So talk a little bit more about the kids. How do you, As far as eating, I don't have kids, so I'm not like a good one to put advice out on a podcast about how to get your kids to eat healthy isn't maybe the best way to put it, but mm-hmm. how do you instill the good habits, I guess, for them as they get older? How, how old are your kids first? My son is 11. Okay. My daughter's eight, about to be nine. And then my littlest daughter is six. So impressionable, but like old enough to start making choices about stuff, right? And, and they know. know yeah. And the people I surround myself with, they have healthy habits. And so when they're within the ninja community and they see what we're eating, um, they are just very aware and they're smart enough to make their own decisions. My daughter just got asked up to move to a competitive team for gymnastics and she was in between a practice and a tryout. And we were going home to have supper and I was like, hey, what do you want? You know, what are you thinking? She's like, well, I better eat really healthy because I know I'm going to have to train hard. I was like, do you want some chicken and green beans? She goes, yeah. So she made that decision. I didn't have to sit there and say, you know what, Fiona, this is what you have. This is what you got going on. This is what you should do. And the kids, they're just, they're aware enough to know that, to build that lifestyle. And that's not me saying, well, you need to make sure Mm -hmm. this because they're around me when I compete. They know what I eat before a race. They know what I eat after a race. They see how I feel during a race Mm -hmm. or Ninja Warrior. They know what I eat the night before. They've heard me talk with ninjas about nutrition. So... They're around it, and I want to let them soak it in. Um, and I think there are times where I'm like, hey, you cannot have two bowls of ice cream. Yeah. <laughs> That's a no. Um, and I want them to celebrate good moments with their friends. But when we celebrate things, too, this is something I heard somewhere else, and I wish I could remember I heard it. But when we have great moments, I don't always tie it to a food. Yeah. Because emotionally, as we get older as adults, in some form or another, whether comfort or celebratory, because so many people are trained that way in those moments, they turn to food. 
So we can celebrate things with a dance or, you know, making a card or some other way. Right. And then we do. Sometimes we're like, you know, we're going to get ice cream tonight. Yeah. But I think those are good principles from my point of view as a parent. And I've seen them have a positive impact. I've seen my son be like, you know what? I don't know if that's good. It has too much sodium. They're not label readers, but they're aware enough for things that are good for their body and things that can help them be better as an athlete. That's great. I think uh, maybe like a problem people might run into is kind of associating the food with weight or like physical Mm -hmm. appearance. And then that is reflected onto the kids, right? If they're... Mm -hmm. You know, I can't eat this food because it's going to make dad fat or something like that, right? I mean, it it's good, and I think this is kind of where everyone should head and where I hope to eventually, where you're putting in those good habits based on the performance and based on health, right? The whole step-by-step process of, like, nutrition coaching for me would be, in general, this outline would be, like, track your food so you know what each food contains and you're aware of that eventually start replacing all those foods with better foods Mm -hmm. and then after at that point you want to eventually get to the point where you're not eating for looks necessarily Mm -hmm. you're eating for health right or you're eating for longevity or your training and nutrition is based on doing this for a long time living a long time and living your best right absolutely so you think like that's important to do you think the whole association with weight is unhealthy to put on a child? Absolutely. Uh, I'm glad you touched on that too. In my house, I don't keep a scale. And unless I'm at Complete Nutrition, I've started working with Complete Nutrition this year, which is a huge reason why I've also improved. But um, unless I'm there doing, like measuring where I'm at for um, my gains and like I want to be smart with how I use my body. Uh, Otherwise, they've never seen me get weighed um, when I talk to them and about who they are as a person and like if they're dressed up that's not the only time I tell them they look beautiful when they're messy and they're in the morning and they have super bad breath like we all do I'm like you look beautiful this morning or when they're doing something like when it's an action and they're helping someone I'm like that was a very beautiful thing that you have a beautiful heart right now and so I don't tie it with their appearance um, those words and so they know that it beauty is tied to who you are as a person it's tied to what you do and you know do you feel strong and I ask them that or I'll tell them you look very strong today and so I I think it's important because I did struggle with some of those things in college I used to have to get weighed in all the time in front of a lot of people and at some point I mean I feel like in some way everybody has some kind of eating disorder Um, In college, I definitely struggled with that because the skinnier I got, the better I got as an athlete. And so now for Ninja, and most of us, you can ask us, like, we just worry if, not worry, but we just think about if we're strong. Like, it's not a size. I don't worry about dropping weight to look good on camera. Mm -hmm. I'm thicker than I've probably ever been, (laughs) but I'm stronger than I've ever been. And so that's where I focus. Do I feel strong? Mm If I don't feel strong, if I feel sluggish, then I'm like, okay, well, that's how I evaluate things. It's not about a number on a scale. It's about how I feel, how I'm interacting with people. Like if I start to get super grouchy, I'm probably missing something in my diet. Like I need to think about those things and not a number. Well, this is a huge, like I said, we have a lot of women listeners. I think this is a big thing for women too, is like whether it's actually for an event or whether it's just in your normal workouts, like 
to be okay with focusing on being strong, you know, or feeling your best or having the most energy or the most healthy. Do you have any specific advice like for women going into something like this? Because I think it can be kind of intimidating if it's something like Spartan races or Ninja Warrior that maybe they don't have an athletic background. Um, maybe it's just getting into fitness or working out right away, like for a woman or something. Do you have any advice on like mindset for a woman going into this specifically? Yeah, absolutely. I think the mindset, it's really important to be kind to ourselves as women and how we talk to ourselves and how we talk to the other women around us. And something that I try to think about in terms of, you know, being kind to yourself is sometimes people can get that mindset if they miss a workout or if they have a donut and they're not on their diet and they start to tell themselves, oh, I'm, I was bad today. I'll be good tomorrow. And it's a self punishing mode. And I think it's super unhealthy to do. And I don't do it. And I don't think other women should do it. And that, you know what? I'm going to allow myself a donut and it's okay to do this. And then I know I have these other goals that I'm going to hit. I do think it's important and related to everything else you do to have other small habits in your life that just aren't related to trying to get into a race or trying to get a ninja or trying to change your lifestyle on how you eat and sleep. Um, but doing things like that you feel you can conquer, like make your bed every morning. Don't have dishes in your sink. There's other little small measurable goals that I think empower you to, or I'm going to make sure I answer at least 10 emails a day. Give yourself small things that help empower you, help you feel successful. And it is so, so, so important to have positive people that feed into your life too. There's a lot of different ways we can feed who we are as a person, strength-wise, nutrition-wise, mentally, but friendships are very important. So I'd really be encouraging to women, be kind to yourself, have friends that are kind to you, and small measurable goals mm -hmm. that Pennies. add up to big value. Yeah. So as far as, uh, like we've touched on your background, workouts, nutrition, all that stuff, what about people who are anybody who's struggling in their journey like maybe they've been working out for a while already maybe they don't have like an event or a goal to shoot for and they don't have the motivation right it's get one get an event or a goal <laughs> yeah okay oh yeah that's a, that's a good step right Absolutely. so yeah so you think people should get something to train for or something that motivates them right I do. I think it's important. I it affects me. I mean, if I'm yeah. being real, if I don't have an event or a goal, I might not train as hard and I'm just going to go on a walk instead of like what I'm doing today. I'm going to bike today and I'm going to train later. So it I think it affects things a little differently. I don't think they need to be crazy goals. Do a mm -hmm. fun run, get involved in something locally like and I know everyone is pressed for time. But in terms of time and what we give ourselves now in the present, really affects how we spend time in the future and you're either going to spend a lot of time and money and hospital stuff and having a really difficult time aging unless you're going to spend time taking care of your body now yeah G guys your actions create your habits that you do every day you do every week you do every year and your habits are going to create your future so it's yeah it's really about that it's about the pennies right it's doing the small things every day that are going to 
eventually add up, even though you might not be able to see them day by day. You might not have the motivation day by day. If you just kind of... We get better and better. Yeah. No, we can't. Baby. Yeah. Won't baby. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. How to do it. <laughs> so what about like the actual story that you had on Ninja Warrior this last year? Mm-hmm. You don't have to get into all the details or you can. It's up to you. But go watch this last season of Ninja Warrior if you haven't already. But do you have any... Tell us a little bit about that and then like what got you through that and then what advice do you have for somebody just going through just a tough time in their life that's not really related to their training. So then how do you keep going through that and stay healthy and stay in a good mindset? Ninja Warrior was such an important part of my life for a lot of reasons. Um, Pulled me out of a dark spot. My friends pulled me out of a dark spot. Uh, If you watched the episode, you know that I went through divorce. And I had filed for divorce in March of 2016. And, you know, we had a series of challenges over our marriage. Uh, Ultimately, we were married for 12 years. And we have three kids together. And I I think he's a a great person. Um, And we all make different decisions in our life. Um, But ultimately, uh, the environment we we live in and breathe in, I think is really important. Um, and it's became less about like me and, and my happiness and more about, you know, what does that look like for my kids growing up and what kind of environment are they going to be in and what are the things they hear and how are the things they are going to be empowered. And I don't want to promote divorce. I want to be very clear with that. I talked to the producers about it. Um, I feel very strongly about it. And that was one of the most difficult the most difficult decision uh, that I ever had to make to move forward with it. But at the end of the day, we can only control ourselves and we can't control the decisions of others. And there's a point where you have to release that. And I had released it and, you know, you pray for the best. I spent a lot of time in prayer. It was a very, very prayerful um, decision. But I think that it was what was best ultimately for my children and for how we were all going to move forward with our lives and for him and how he would, you know, turn his life around. And so um, I think it's important for my kids to have a relationship with him. And I foster that. Um, Even though I have custody, it's, you know, we really want to make sure that he has a lot of time as much as he can. And uh, it was hard. And that might be an understatement because I think I, you know, I was 35. I just turned 36 this year. And if I had to say, oh, this is where I'm going to be when I'm 35 years old, it's, it, it wasn't. I was heartbroken and sad. And I just, I went to a spot where I had a consulting business and I had great, great clients. I was doing very successful where I was still able to work, but have the freedom to have my daughter at home and pick up my kids every day and drop them off. Um, but then still travel and do Ninja and my kids got to travel but I dropped all my clients and I just allowed myself to be sad and went through a grieving process because you don't just lose who you thought you were married to. You lose a best friend and the person who's there every day. And it's, it's not where you think you're headed. I, I loved being married. I loved having a family unit, having a team. And that's what, you know, we'd really where what I thought we were building was a, a team together. Um, and so I, I went through a really, really deep grieving process, but I knew that I was going to allow myself that time, but I knew it wasn't forever. Um, and I filtered out 
anybody who had a strong opinion one way or the other, anybody who's like, at all costs, you can't do this, or at all costs, your happiness is all that matters. And just had a very, very small collective group of people that were subjective and could say, well, why do you think you would feel like this? Or, you know, what do you feel like you want to share today? And those were very positive, empowering people and people who had goals and people who also would not feel hate or anger because I think a lot of that can happen in divorce. You can feel angry and hate and why? And it's not about that. It's about how you can move forward now um, as a single mom and, you know, how are you going to empower your kids? And so people who help build me back up and the whole thing about, you know, that rise up, um, it's not just me that did it on my own. Number one, it was through prayer and a very small group of friends um, that most of them were on my sideline, which I feel very fortunate for. And the people who have reached out to me after the show and they're like, I, I don't know where to start. I'm in pain. My life is in pieces. I don't think I can do this. And I'm like, I get it. I know. That's, you're right. And you're right to feel that way and allow yourself time to grieve but then know that you are in charge of your emotions. Everything we do in our life, we're in charge of us. How we react, you know, we're not victims. We're in charge of, you know, if if we don't want to be overweight, don't be overweight. Well, but, but no. Wake up and take the day. Take your emotions, take your health, um, your activity, take being a great parent. You know, have responsibility for yourself because, we're always going to face challenging people. We're always going to face challenging circumstances. And it's not us against life. It's us against us. And I think it's important for people to know that it is all possible because so many people are like, I don't have time to work out. My kids are doing activities. And I'm like, I get it. I'm one of the busiest persons on the planet. Yeah. If you really want something, you can make it happen. And they can, I think, the greatest misnomer is people think they need like a huge three-hour workout. Mm-hmm. No, like wake up and do sit-ups and push-ups. What's that, five minutes of your day? Right. Well, on your lunch bake, do squats. or and, and that's how I fit in my ninja training. Yeah. I don't have huge blocks of time. My daughter was at home with me. I have to pick up my kids, drop them off every day, and then they have activities. So if my kids are at gymnastics, I'll go do a trail run. And I come back and finish watching them do gymnastics. Like... There's ways. If you yeah. can watch Netflix, yeah. if you can oh, watch yeah. Hulu, whatever it is. Stretch before bed, work on the lacrosse balls right, you know, right before you go to bed or something. That's exactly you, what I do. That time. That's exactly what I do. I bring out some bars. I'll do grip exercises and put on House of Cards. Yeah. Or, I mean, there's times to, to fit in those things. And a lot of it I do with my kids. They have more energy than I do. They challenge me. Um People go through hard times. And you've always heard that hard times don't last, but you know, tough people do. Mm-hmm. Um, and just even I think back to that moment when my brother decided to take his life, that moment when my best friend decided to take her life, I will never, ever know the pain that they felt where they felt like life wasn't worth it anymore. But I know the pain that I felt last year, but I always felt like life is worth it. And I know I'm going to be stronger. I know I'm going to come out of this. Will I probably face a hard time again before I die? Probably. But it's not going to break me. I'm going to let it build me. Not just about not being at the like the mercy of your circumstances all the time, right? It's just 
You're never at the mercy yeah, of your you're circumstances. Not creating your own reality, whatever that. Don't let is it break be. you down. Build right. you up. All right, let's hit some rapid fire questions. Yep, yep. We're do wrap it. This episode up. Um, so I just have a a little list here, I guess. All right, all right, all right. Favorite bodyweight exercise? Squats. I thought you were gonna go pull-ups, to be honest, just because <laughs> I figured the ninja thing. Remember, I'm a sprinter. Right. All right. Hobby besides American Ninja Warrior and Spartan Race. I know you're busy, so that might. Oh, the first thing that came to my mind is movie watching. Yeah. I really enjoy watching movies. Like at the theater, or at like just at home. Anywhere. Yeah. I just kind of like movies. All right. It's fun. I it's it's an art that's interesting to watch. Mm-hmm. For sure. Okay, the hardest ninja obstacle you've ever faced. Oh, crank it up. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, For crank sure. it up. Uh, okay, who do you think is the best ninja warrior? Keep your eyes. We've got to wait about a year, so there's going to be some new ones and all that. But who's top of the pack, in your opinion? I can't pick one. I really can't. It's getting way our, stronger. Our wolf pack ninja team has a lot of great ninjas. I think people should keep their eyes on the Wolfpack Pro team, but it's really hard to single one person out because everyone is advancing so quickly. Mm-hmm. I was a big Ian Dory guy. I think he's very Ian's good. great. Yes. Very, Adam very Rail's good. very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's so many strong females. Barclay Socket, one of my close yeah. friends, is phenomenal. Very fun to watch. Too. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. All right. Do you have maybe like a favorite quote that you live by or just pops into your head we all get the greatest equalizer in life is we all get 24 hours a day so what we do with it is up to us i think it was like sam huff an nfl linebacker there you go great um give me three time management tips you said you're very busy just quick tips that people who are busy can use i like to put things on my calendar i think it's important to do a checklist. I have a lot of sticky notes in my house. As much as I like technology, I like myself a sticky note. And being able to say no to things. I don't say yes to everything. I'm very decisive where I spend my time. And I think it's important to do that and relate it back to your purpose. Yeah. All right. So that's just about going to wrap it up. Do you have I guess, something I talk about a lot, I guess, too, like morning routines? Do you have something like that that you do every single morning? I make my bed. Make your bed? Every single day. I've talked about that before on the show. I make sure I have a clean sink. That's important to me. I like having a... I'm not saying the rest of my room is clean. I'm just going to be very clear with that. It's a mess. But I make my bed no matter what every day. Uh, Every night I stretch. I foam roll. Uh, If I have time in the morning, I do it. But I eat breakfast 100%. Um, And then... I also, this year, I did get into taking some supplements from Complete Nutrition, and so I try to really take care of recovery. Recovery has become mm-hmm. huge for me, especially I'm 36, and I'm trying to compete, compete with the top. Level. Yeah, I mean, it's, I don't know if I'd call myself a professional athlete, but um, it's, I don't look at my age as a detriment at all. Um, and just that quote real quick, Ephesians 2.10 is something that's important, and that's for I'm God's workmanship, creating Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared in advance for me to do. So that's on my mind every day. Uh, I think if people have more questions, they can find me on social media. Um, as you know, I'm at Never Give Up, which is NVR underscore GVUP. Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, Great. Facebook. Doing um, it all. MaggieThorne.com. Yeah. yeah. All right. 
go find Maggie Thorne there. I'm going to also, in the full description of this show and in the show notes, I'll link those different social media profiles so you can go find them maybe a little bit easier from your phone that way. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for joining. Thanks for having me. Triple F fam. I uh, definitely appreciate it. And I think great, great stuff in this interview is gold. I'm Jordan Stoltz, your host, and this was another episode of the Fitness, Food, and Freedom Podcast, episode 103. Thank you, everyone, for joining me. I'll see you guys on Wednesday. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Let me know by going to triplefpodcast.com slash contact and reviewing the show on iTunes. See you guys. Thank you for listening to the Triple F Podcast. Please leave a five-star iTunes review and share the podcast with your friends and family. Tune in next time for more great tips on fitness, food, and freedom.